Before we start the show, I wanted to say thanks for listening. We want to bring you the best show we can, and sometimes it takes us a week or two to cut, edit, and present you something polished. But if you're the kind of person who wants to hear the long version with no frills and wants it as soon as possible, we're now putting our Ready Player 2 episode reviews on Patreon. Pay as much as you think is fair and get access to uncut episodes just hours after we record it. Join our community of gunters at patreon.com forward slash get to the good part, no spaces. Now, on to the show. This is Aaron from the show. First of all, thank you for listening. Once you finish listening to this episode, do us a solid. Go ahead and give us a rating and write a review of the show. This lets us know that we're doing a good job and helps other people find us. And speaking of other people, if you know someone who might enjoy the show, we would love it if you told them about it. We can be found at gttgp.com. There's tons of stuff on there. You can learn more about us. There's an episode guide. And of course, you can find our social media pages, where we love geeking out with our listeners. Now, let's get to the good part. Welcome back to Get to the Good Part. This is Chris. And this is Aaron. And we are tackling chapter 0009. So, all right. The first thing I have to say is, is I fucking told you so. Wait a minute, you told ooh, you were some, some prophet you were. Well, well, I've been I have been pitching I have been pitching Ghost in the Machine for years. Everybody's been pitching that. But they've it, been pitching it because I said it first. No, they're pitching it because the the movie basically implied it. I was saying it before the movie. Anyways, we didn't even so know because ago, of the movie. I don't even remember. Yeah, I know it's been a while, but but it's it's nice that that the same intuition that that many others had that we would see Halliday come back from the dead, which we talked about, right? In that in that first sort of description of the book that ended up getting taken down that you came yeah. up with, the book civilian one, yeah, had this back from the dead, right? And we talked about that, like who the fuck would be coming back from the dead? We kind of had this idea that maybe it was Nolan Sorrento, that maybe it was a more of a metaphorical dead that he would be coming back, which you know, fucking surprise, surprise. Sorrento's back anyhow. Oh. But then we break into this chapter. And and the last chapter just makes sense, particularly the putting on the O and I headset and the the hardware update. The firmware or the firmware update. firmware update. And then the counter in the corner. It was not a shift. It was not a not a, a weird moment that wouldn't be referenced that had great intention and we realize that now that he and the rest of the high five are in the meeting room with faisal and lo and behold or so they think. so they thought faisal transforms into halliday or not really halliday but anorak takes that deeper voice stands a little bit taller but isn't it actually halliday that's the question that they're asking, or that's what he's purporting. All right, so... What do you think it is? As we've already talked, I've, I've inadvertently read a couple chapters ahead. Said, I did not read so far as to know for sure whether or what, what is this version of Halliday 
But this version of Halliday thinks that the original Halliday didn't trust himself, thinks that, that certain things were removed. It, it makes me wonder if in, in uploading this, if Halliday didn't realize that this is like evil Halliday, kind of like from Star Trek, where you kind of have that, I don't know, it was like a, a like a, I don't remember necessarily the episodes, but basically everyone had mustaches that were evil, the evil version of themselves in a in another, in a parallel universe, right? And then maybe he saw this holiday as needing to be there for function, but potentially could be an evil holiday. And well, a lot of times when you're talking about multiple, you know, the same person on either two different um, planes of existence, or there are a number of books that do a really good job of sort of authoring a copy of a person. The Babaverse is a real good example. What you come to realize is that a copy of someone can become very different because it, it's it's chaos theory. It's a sensitivity to initial conditions. And what a person was and what they maybe they would have become is not necessarily the same path if they split off at a certain time. And that the two can become distinctly and dramatically different over a short period of time. I think that there's a point in this chapter where I think it's very clear how he became this version of Halliday. It's the part where he's talking about when the human Halliday erased some of my, or rather some of his memories sure. and placed restrictions on his behavior. So to me, like that, like, you know, I think the analogy for this book is like whenever you took like an old cassette tape and you would copy it mm -hmm. to another one, it lost something. You Even lose a, a bit of bit. fidelity. You yeah, you lose a bit of fidelity. Now, like it, you know, that you talk about like if you clone a clone of a clone of a clone of a clone, you kind of like in the movie Duplicity. Exactly. Did you ever uh, watch that movie with? I uh... did not, but I've seen the trailers. I know what the whole movie is about. Oh, okay, okay. So like, he took out chunks of the original Halliday. So he has effectively changed who that person is. I would, I would even argue that even if he hadn't taken chunks out, that this would have been a very different holiday. Sure. Anyhow, it might have been a little closer to the real thing, but it still would have been different because, yeah, I mean the the idea here being is that like the O and I is doing the scan, right, and it's using that data, but. It's only scanning and collecting the data of what it knows how to collect. Right. So right. like well, I mean you could scan everything. And then it, you could go through and be limited say, by the hardware. Yeah, you know, like there may be a nuance to, you know. When you say hardware, so, do you mean like the person? No, no, I mean like the O and I is hardware and it's limited to like what it can actually scan, right? It's no, it, it can scan the whole thing. It scans the whole thing. It saves a copy of everyone. That was the thing. No, I I get that. Oh, but okay. like but like think about this. Like let's see, let's say like a scanner. Like let's say oh the ONI is a scanner that can scan up to 300 DPI on that thing you put on the piece of glass. Right. But if your brain and your consciousness is actually 1200 DPI, yeah, you're, you're going to lose fidelity. Something. Yeah, the quality of it no matter how accurate it looks like to our eyes on the piece of paper is lesser. Exactly. You're, so you're like limited to the hardware's ability to broadcast the fidelity of whatever it is that it's showing. 
I, yeah. I see what you're getting. Yes. Yeah. We can only scan the information we know how to scan, you know, like these, you know, if it's talking about frequencies and things like that, you know. Or, or more importantly, we can only play back. We can only process, you know, at the limit of that hardware. Now, that said, the limit of this hardware seems pretty unlimited. But who knows? I, what what does strike me as odd here was that Halliday had reached a point where he realized that a duplicate of himself was not ideal. However, if if it was me, and I'm thinking like I'm I'm going to put a copy of me in because I need me to monitor the game while I'm dead, and then I realize, oh, this is too accurate, too clever, too much like me. I need to put some constraints. I need to put some controls around it. I'm going to put down some rules. I'm going to remove some memories. I'm going to going to go iRobot on it. I'm going to disable some shit. Uh, I was thinking more like Terminator, right? Where Terminator in the second movie, he has like that huge gargantuous list of like limitations and how he should act in the press and things. You should, you know, like the huge list of protocols. And at the end, he ends up grabbing the power you know, that was some some electrical conduit of some sort. It shocks the shit out of him. He reboots and he only has like he has nothing. He has, he has no limitations at that point. Then he can be Murphy. Remember that? Terminator? Did I say Terminator? You Jesus. said Terminator. I mean Robocop. Sorry. Bless. Okay. Now that makes more say, sense. I'm like, yeah, oh. it's it's fuzzy. It blends. I don't tell you. I haven't seen Robocop in a very long time. Well, I'm thinking Robocop too. I haven't seen Robocop two probably ever. <laughs> well, uh, are you missing anything? Maybe not as good as the first. Anyhow, anyhow, but you get that gist there. He has figured out how to take the limiters off for the most part. Like he is still handicapped. There's some memories he can't get to, which brings us to the reason why he is in the meeting room with Wade and friends. Ooh, it's it's a problem. We got a problem. And there are a lot of fucking bombs dropping. It went from, ooh, I'm excited, Detective Pikachu kind of level, to huge WTF. Uh-huh. Like, this, like, remember we were talking before about how, like, when the book starts to get interesting? Yeah. Yeah. Did yeah, it get well, there this, yet? <laughs> yeah. It, this, you know, it's... Uh, yeah, I kind of... It totally went there. But it went there in, like, a big fucking way. Oh, I mean, it, if last chapter was, like, going over the hill of a roller coaster... This chapter is like dropping bombs around the carriage as you're flying through the rails. Pretty good analogy. It went like from it. fast and exciting to, oh, fuck, we're going to die real fast. And not just us. Everyone. 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 So let's, let's count off the bombs. First, Anorak. That's the biggest bomb here. We now know the answer to last chapter's question, which was, who the fuck did this? This well, chapter. you now that. know. And then the next bomb. Parzival's robes are gone. Ah, that was he, crushing. He's now powerless. What was what was the reasoning there? Was it the handshake? It was the handshake. Fuck, yeah. fuck. Yeah. Why, was that, why would that even be a thing? Anyhow. Well, because that's how they transferred power the first time. It goes both ways, evidently. Fine. Then there's that. And then there's the firmware update, which now makes fucking sense. It sounded ominous from the get-go. It did. I was questioning it. I was I like, mean, why would, it is not. 
why would we focus in on this? Something that's, why would we focus in on this? And now we fucking know. So, right. So now no one can get off but, and their brains will fry. And, Digitally and lobotomized. And here's the thing that, that kind of bothered me here was oh, the entire world is using this at any given time. So it's not that he puts the headset on and the counter just starts for him, because as he already mentioned, all of GSS had come online hours before and were already further down the timeline, down yeah. their, their period of time than he was. But that there's a but they're not as far down. Like this was the update was kind of released at some point. So like it's the people that logged on from that point, which they just, who, they suggest is not a lot, lot of time. Uh, who and when, right? I mean, who was the who? When did the? I, my initial thought was people are dying right now, right? If this if this update dropped ten hours ago, or at seven p.m., right? That anyone who had been logged on since then would be dead. Like people were, people should be ending their session at the time that we're talking somewhere in the world. Because GSS is worldwide. So, you know, they don't really get at when the update dropped. They just get at, you know, Parzival had the update happen the next time he got online. So it happened sometime between when he got offline and got online. Uh, perhaps the answer is in the book somewhere. And since, you know, as we spoke before we went live, this is not a book that I've read 60 times. So right. the details can get a little fuzzy. Got but, it. So my, you know. my initial thought was, holy shit, maybe people are already dying. Like that, that should be the mindset is when did this shit go live? It's its not just a few hours ago where GSS peeps came online. It could be longer. So we've got that. So we've got fucking that, right? They can't take their headsets off. They can't get out of it. And worse, it's not just them that being held hostage. It's the entire fucking world. Which it's a lot of people. Lots of people in the balance. Yeah, it it, it is. And... Then we've also got the fact that while Artie is on a plane and she never uses a an ONI an ONI headset, that the plane is automatically controlled and that it has now been taken over by Halliday. Everyone's life is in danger, at least you know of the high five, and no one is safe from this. And it is well thought out, right? And Og. That was the other bomb. Then we know Og's not the person. Og's being tortured. And who's torturing him? Fucking Nolan Sorrento. Fucking Sorrento. Fucking Sorrento. So this is like, you know, worst case scenario. Like if at any moment you thought, how can they fight back? Like they don't have a choice. They have to give in to the demands of this terrorist. But more importantly, this isn't just Anorak. Like this is super Anorak. This is Halliday on steroids times a bazillion because he has the entire oasis's processing power to simulate every situation based on snapshots of the people's brains and how he knows they're going to react in those simulations and it isn't said although he does say he ran every simulation and this was the only path that was going to work you know you got to think how did he run that simulation he probably had access to Lots of data. Lots of data, maybe versions of them. Yeah. 
right? Because if he can be online, he could potentially bring somebody else online and assist sub simulation. He was able run... to do some sneaky, sneaky shit. Yeah. yeah. So. so he knows that that you know, after having simulated it a million different ways, this is the only way, and he, and this is the path that needed to be taken for him in his mind, in his computer and, mind. And the thing, like the the funny thing is, like that they have that whole conversation with him about, you know. Why don't you just tell us where the first, you know, where the next two shards are? That'll help us out. And it's like, nah, I want to watch you guys try to figure it out because it'll be more fun that way. And it's like, if you really want these shards and you want to, you know, do the whole siren soul thing, then wouldn't give us a leg up? Yeah, give everybody the leg up. Or because if they fail and everybody dies, you ain't getting your, you ain't getting your piece of pie. Yeah. So, like. It's a messed up version of Halliday. I might add, like the first book took, I, I want to say years, but if not years, years. Like it took, it seems like it spread over a period of a year or two. Because it was that whole period where he was like cooped up in an apartment and, and oh, yeah. it, turned him away. And, you know, like months and months passed between each, each riddle being solved. Mm-hmm. And, it, and, we get, and he has to now figure this out hours. in 12 hours. So not a lot of time. And and as we know, the first one took a very long time to figure out. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And uh, one of the things that I enjoyed, at least about this, that kind of popped out to me was that that when, when all this was going down, H said, Z, I have a bad feeling about this. Yeah, did that sound familiar to you? Because it sure sounded familiar to me. I think there are at least nine times in a given given movie franchise where that sounds familiar. Well, no, but so the the same line was uttered by Artemis outside of Castle Anorak in chapter 34 of the first book. Oh. She says, I have a bad feeling about this. And then H says, yeah, me too. Well, I was more referencing Star Wars than anything else. Well, I mean, like that's kind of the quintessential reference to I got a bad feeling about this. Got a bad feeling about this. Yeah. Uh, but really, when I was reading this, it just kept getting fucking worse and worse and worse. And they get angry, and they just there's not a damn thing they can really do about this. They're just they're they're blackmailed in the worst way, like in in from every single direction. They're they're up a creek, no paddle. Yeah. Well, Shit and the worst luck. part here is that is that. This is a very strange holiday. Like holidays painted in a very reverent way in the previous book. But here it feels almost like the Joker. Right? It, like yeah, it's very it's, carefree. Don't give a fuck. I don't care if like, everyone dies. I want what I want. This is what I gotta do. You're gonna get it for me. Let's have some fun. It's like it's the kind of person who just wants to watch the world burn. I don't even necessarily think it's like world burn because that's, that's at least some degree of revenge or or don't give a fuck for per, with purpose. Here it just feels very much like like if if and this is the thing, right? If if you have the cheat codes, you no longer care about death. If you are something that's going to live forever inside a computer simulation, you're going to lose your humanity. You're going to lose your care for humanity. People die, they respawn. That's a that's a digital perspective. That's not a 
a human perspective where death in the real world is a real damn thing. So to confuse those or not care about them or not affect you anymore, not have any sympathy or maybe empathy for it, it it's like it doesn't exist, doesn't fucking exist. And maybe it's the idea that he's already dead and still living beyond being dead that makes him just not care. Just not care. I got a thing I want. A bunch of people's lives are in danger. And if they all die, meh, that's eh, what whatever. it took in order to get what I wanted. And he doesn't care if he doesn't help them out to, you know, get what he wants. Yeah, because even if he doesn't get what he wants, at least it would be interesting. At least it would be entertaining. He would be, you know, pulling the puppet strings to get them to run and dance. You know, it wouldn't surprise me if later in the book he fucking just like pops up like Agent Smith through someone and says, hey, 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 you've only got a few hours left. This has been fun, but you got to really get on it. It wouldn't surprise me at all if later in the book that was the case. Uh, that was a good voice. Is that what happens? Don't tell me. What, don't fucking tell me. No, don't, don't, just don't. when you raise up three or four octaves, it's, it just sounds funny. Uh, it's It's how do you outsmart currently not just the most clever man in history per the book but now potentially the most intelligent artificial being with the mind and motivation of Halliday. yeah and since wade slash parzival has not been the top of his game for this whole book to the point where he had to farm out his hunting skills yeah he's got to step it up I kind of think that he's not going to be able to. And I'm going to project a little bit forward. Like, again, I haven't read this far, but I think he's going to have to fall back to the low five. I think they're going to have to seek their help. They're going to need to bring in the B team, right? Bring in the B team. And uh, that is that is a personal prediction. I mean, otherwise, what was the point of introducing them? So now it becomes obvious we're headed in that direction. I feel confident well, of that. Remember be before when I was saying that people were wanting a more low five stuff. Yeah. So, you know, that, that, you know, I felt like that didn't give away anything because it could mean that either they got a fair amount and they want to see more, or they only got that little bit in the beginning and there wasn't any more to digest. So we will have to wait and see if they come back or they don't. Ooh. Yeah. Maybe there's going to be a middle five. No, I'm just kidding. It would be nice if there was sort of like a passing on of the torch, but I'm not, I'm not going to go that far down the road. Well, I mean, like it, it as we can, we have seen before, like there are reasons why he writes everything. Right. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Now, what I find interesting here is that first off, we've we've not only confirmed that ghost of the machine, and we've also talked about the ability potentially to map the mind to extend a person's life. That that could be a thing. When we talked about that several chapters ago, we now know it's possible. I get to this place, and I'm like, you know, if I was Parzival, what would I need more of? Time and time. 
or more Parzival's, right? Need, what, what if I could? What if I could? What if I could? You know, radio to GSS and say, "I need more Mies. Figure out how he did it and spin me up." You know, I need about four hundred of Mies. Kind of reminds well, me of like some of the recent but, but, episodes of Rick and Morty where they bring a bunch of Rick and Mortys from other dimensions to create the larger GoBot. Gotron, Tronbot. But, but it, remember what you were saying before that, like, even just that digital copy robot. that's unedited could present problems. It could, sure. So, like, there's there's probably very little value in potentially creating an even greater risk. Like, they got four heads. Like, maybe stick to that. I don't know. I, I feel like they'd be a little bit weary of creating digital clones after this digital clone went, you know, nuts, nuts, Joker on them. Yeah. I I get that. Maybe. I don't know. I don't know. I'm just thinking out loud. I I don't know where this is going except for down the hole to the low five, but his response on a number of levels, his, his assumption here that, you know, first off, I've got to do all this shit because the first thing you're going to do is try to attack me. And then people are like, why would you assume that? And it's like, come on. I know all the sci-fi. I've read all the books. We know how humanity works. You're going to try to destroy the, the singularity. That's just how humanity is. And, you know, from their perspective, I, I can see it's kind of like, why would you even assume? Like, we're not enemies. Like, you helped us. That's, you know, why Why would you assume that the, that's where our head's at? And again, he's done all these simulations, so he knows where their head's going to be at. So... That part, that part where Parzival was listing off all the versions of AI going after humanity. Mm-hmm. So I thought it was a pretty good list. And there's only one reference that I didn't know. What was that? Well, so I'll just go through the list, or I'll read the quote and then go through the list. Uh, the ungrateful AI always seems to decide that humans are inferior and need to be eliminated or mm-hmm. sublimated. I started counting off examples on my fingers. HAL 9000, Colossus the Forbin Project, Whopper, the Cylons, fucking Skynet. The band members might change, but the song remains the same. So the only reference in that list that I was not familiar with was Colossus the Forbin Project. I'm not familiar with that either. Maybe, huh. maybe somebody can enlighten us on one in Facebook. IMDb or... can. It's a movie from 1970. Okay. But and, you know, in a more in a majority of the movies that you've listed off, say for that one that I am not familiar with, that maybe we will have to to watch. And actually, the plot of this sounds a lot like uh, War Games. Am I Skynet? They didn't go after Skynet until Skynet went bad. What were the other movies? Well, Hal Nine Thousand. They didn't go after Hal Nine Thousand until Hal Nine Thousand went bad. And then Whopper. They didn't go after the Whopper until the Whopper tried to kill everyone. Cylons from Battlestar They didn't go after the Cylons until, but the Cylons were like, they were attacking. Yeah. They were already, I mean, it, it, the, the gist here is that every movie that was listed wasn't humanity just trying to wantonly destroy AI. It was humanity responding to the killing of people, the attack on people due to a, a difference in a respect for humanity. So, I mean, I guess you could say that if uh, digital James Halliday was very uh, very likely familiar with all of these things, then in studying them, he was conditioned to think that there's an inevitability of humanity attacking AI. 
Yeah, I would say better movies would be something like The Matrix, right? Or iRobot would probably be a much better. iRobot probably makes more sense. I don't know about Matrix because in The Matrix, they were, the humanity was was basically in prison by the, whatever you want to call it. Well, and that's only because humanity had bombed, yeah, humanity had bombed the shit out of the earth and, and darkened the skies. That's that's how the movie goes. Is they darken the skies. They needed a, a source of power, and then they turn to humans as batteries. So, yeah. so maybe it is an apt. Yeah, I I'm not sure exactly how the story went as far as who attacked who first. And I think they even say that they don't necessarily yeah, know who attacked who in, first, but that the end I result in, was the scars were di- skies were darkened. Yeah, I'm pretty sure Morpheus says like we don't know who threw the first you know, punch or who who cast the first stone. Who cast the yeah something like that. So, and and here we are. Here we are in this place, you know, and everybody is in a situation where there is no negotiating out of this. There are lives hanging in the balance. Uh, a dear friend of theirs is being tortured by somebody who is going to take all the delight in the world in doing so. We do come out of this chapter realizing that Og decided not to pursue that for some reason, some very good reason, he didn't give in. Or he went a little ways, but stopped. So, yeah, that kind of takes us up right about near the end. What did we miss? Well, I mean, I guess to your point about, you know, the Matrix, it was actually mentioned when it was actually Anorak who said that, you know, you guys should have listened to Samantha. She was right. You guys all watched Sword Art Online and the Matrix films that you still thought it was a good idea to hand over control of your brain to a computer. So I thought that was, you know, I mean, Matrix, quintessential. Yeah. Yep. There's some references earlier that I'll get to, but Shoto says that Anorak just went Sonic EXE on us. Mm-hmm. I and don't get that. I, I thought I knew what it was referring to, and but what I looked found out was something different. What did you find there? Because I don't get that reference. So you can find this on Wiki, but Sonic EXE is a creepy pasta created by JC the Hyena. The original story follows a teenager named Tom who receives a CD from his friend Kyle and a note telling him to destroy it. Finding Kyle's warning to be a joke, Tom decides to play it, finding it to be a haunted version of Sonic the Hedgehog. The original story was posted for the first time on the Creepypasta Wiki in August 2011 and was removed in January 2014 due to complaints of its poor quality when compared to other gaming Creepypastas. Despite it being somewhat Influential. The growing backlash toward the story led its author to publish a protracted diatribe about his grievances with the Creepypasta's wiki decision, which only fueled further criticism. Now, Are you saying what... pasta? Creepypasta. I don't know what that is. The fuck does creepypasta mean? What pasta is in like noodles? Yeah. Uh, Look it up. See, well, Sonic I... the Hedgehog would, would go after rings, and those rings did look a lot like like you know the the uh, the spaghettios spaghettios see what what i thought it was i feel like i remember like back in like the very early days of like pirating like music files and things like that and downloading files from the internet and things that i remember i thought i remembered hearing about like people downloading this file called sonic exe cuz they thought it was a game and it turned out to be a virus of some sort mm. that like did like bad stuff to your system 
And that's what I thought he was referring to, but I wanted to look it up to see if that was right. And then I read this whole thing about creepy pastas, and I'm like, I don't know what the F this is. Hmm. I, I was hoping you that. would know. No, no, Sonic the Hedgehog kind of came out. There was a period where I wasn't gaming all that much, and I was into the Sega PlayStation, Sega. I was not into the Sega Genesis. I was into the Sega Master System, right? That's where my gaming was. When the Sega Genesis came out and Sonic was really the the primary game, right? That was the the, the main thing that was going to drive it, you to it was the, It was the Mario Brothers of It was Sega. the Mario Brothers of Sega, sure. But I really wasn't interested in it. I only played it a few times. I know of it. But it just really didn't get me. But, you know, they made a movie out of it. So yeah. there when, you go. When my family bought the Sega Genesis, it didn't even come with Sonic. It came with a different game. Oh, so okay. I, so I never had Sonic. Well, I'm sure there are tons of people out there that can harsh us on not having Sonic or not enjoying Sonic. But, but uh, yeah, that's interesting. Creepypasta. I'm going to have to check that out. That's so weird. There was a reference to Johnny Mnemonic, which I've never seen. You've never seen Johnny Mnemonic? No. Okay. Stop, to... stop recording and go watch it. Well, I mean, no, obviously. Don't stop recording it. But after we're done recording, go watch it. Because there is a lot that this book is based on. Right? I mean, a lot that this book is based on. It's about recording people's experiences. It's about reliving their experiences and paying for the underground versions of living those experiences. Hold on a second. Let me... I, I feel like I might be getting my... my your movies mixed up? I might be getting my movies mixed up. Because I do that. Oh, shit. I, t I totally... I totally missed... Totally just jumbled that up. So the movie that I'm actually describing is called Strange Days. And Strange Days is the movie with the visor that records experiences that you can then sit in the visor and watch the visor and, and experience other people's experiences. And that there's this whole black market, right? Yeah, Strange Days. That's the movie that you need to watch. Johnny Strange. Mnemonic is okay. Johnny Mnemonic was not my favorite Keanu Reeves movie, but it was still all right. But this book is very much Strange Days. 1995, set in the mm -hmm. year 1999, the last yep. days of the old millennium. The movie tells the story of Lenny Nero. It's a James Cameron classic. Are you sure? It says it's Catherine Bigelow. Directed by, but produced by James Cameron. Screenplay by James Cameron and, Cameron and Jay Cooks. Oh. oh, I say Cooks. It's Jay Cox. Whoops. Anyways. Not available on any of my services. Oh, well. <sighs> Just There are clips on YouTube. Just go, go watch the clips. Fine. Anyway. Anyway. There's also a reference to Lawnmower Man. I remember that movie. I think I watched it once. I remember... Wanting to watch it because I remember seeing the ads for it and it looked pretty cool. Well, Lawnmower Man was good because that was that was a ghost in the machine kind of situation, right? It's basically a guy who's who is mentally handicapped. He gets basically interfaces with this machine, this computer that trains him up, makes him much more intelligent, and eventually is able to get into the machine. Yeah, I mean in that. The rest of that kind of quote where where Pars was naming like all the different, you know, AIs, HAL, Colossus, Forper uh, Project, Whopper, Cylons. He finishes that by pointing at Anarch and saying, I hate to say it, but you're giving off the, the same sort of vibes right now, Lawnmower Man. There's a Blues Brothers reference about getting the band back together. Right, right. You know, which I, of course, liked. And just in general, like, 
I just found that this version of Halliday, this kind of evil Halliday, still had a lot of the real Halliday that we heard about. You know, like had these like like the giddiness and uncontrollable laughing fits. Sounds like what we knew of Halliday in the real world. So, you know, maybe it is a it is a different version of Halliday, but it's still there's still a lot of Halliday there. Yeah, yeah, it's just uh, evil Halliday. Nega Halliday. Really... It's Nega Halliday. <laughs> yes, gonna have brunch with Nega Scott. And in fact, I think we probably moving forward should get away from Halliday and just differentiate. Halliday was Halliday. Anorak. This, this is Anorak. This is Anorak. All right. There was a reference to a song, and that was one by Peter Wolf called Lights Out. Oh, uh, yeah. Yep. And and for him to produce his giant silver boombox from his inventory and press the play button, and this is the song that comes through. This is not unintentional. Never, it never is unintentional. But we've got this, you know, dancing in the dark to the radio of love, dancing in the dark. I know that it's wrong to be dancing with no lights on. And I know that it's wrong to be holding you for so long. And if, you know, reading through the lyrics, let's face it, the lyrics aren't super deep here. It just kind of repeats that same set of phrases throughout the song. But I mean, the gist here is, that's that's what he wants. We know that's what he's after. That the collection of the shards is a collection of Kira's consciousness. And that right now he is dancing in the dark, trying to hold on to someone he loves. And, and you know, it won't become light until those shards are put together in whatever way they become put together. So I, that is my take, at least, on this song and the reason why he pops this shit out as a hint as to why he's doing what he's doing. I don't know, like when I first heard you reading those lyrics, and I know that it's wrong to be holding you for so long, to me, like that almost rang like a like a hint of the regular, normal, unadulterated holiday trying to like, you know, blink Morse code so that people knew that he was being tortured, you know? Oh, uh, oh really? That's a great interpretation of that. Oh. Interesting. Like maybe there's a sub-level to him or a, a contained consciousness that something else is dominating, that a twisted version of him. Like like maybe there were – that's an interesting perspective. I'm just going to stop and, and think on this for a moment because when you're talking about the Oasis, particularly the man who invented it, you have to imagine that much like the internet, people kind of have sort of two personas – there is that which they are in their physical world and that which is sort of anonymized and somewhat separated and becomes your online avatar, your online persona. And for some people, that can be very different. And we know it was very different for Halliday because Halliday, throughout the book, the previous book, it was, it was mentioned to the fact that, that in person he was awkward, but that in the Oasis, he was clear-spoken, he was powerful. And this idea that maybe since his consciousness was read into the Oasis, that maybe there are two sides that exist and that right now it's the Anorak that's taking over and that there is a, a Halliday riding as a passenger to this second consciousness that has all power in the Oasis. 
I fucking love that. I fucking love that idea. And that, that this song is maybe something that they would both agree to, but that would be, like you said, sort of a, an SOS. Yeah. I fucking love that. That's great, man. That's awesome. All right. I do what I can. Let's wrap this chapter up, dude. Shit's getting real, so. Let's do it. Let's move on. Yeah, let's I know all, you're excited. Let's all collectively freak out. Freak and out. Then, freak out. All right. That said, this is Chris. And this is Aaron. We'll catch you in the next chapter. Thanks for listening. See you.